I'm going to tell you about my current research project on Christmas tourism um, and looking at the business of Santa Claus in Lapland in Finland. Uh, so some of the research results have already been published um, at organization studies um, with my co-authors co Professor Katie Mason from Lancaster University uh, and Dr. Philip Roscoe from the University of St. Andrews. Uh, but I will tell you quite a bit about uh, stories that I found more recently. I've been collecting quite a bit of new, new research data. I just recently got uh, some research funding from the Police Academy, Leave a Small Research Grant Scheme. Um, so I've been, that has enabled me to, to go back to Finland, um, not only to see family, but actually uh, go and collect, collect more data. Uh, I spent quite a bit of time here in London at the British Library as well, looking at newspaper archives from the 1950s to today. And it's still ongoing. So I will give you some snapshots uh, and, and, and stories which I've found in the data. But understandably, there will be some gaps, so I'll, I'll be welcoming questions, feedback, comments at the, at the end that you find might be missing, missing from the story of what you'd like to hear a bit more about. All right, so um, I'll start with, with, with a question. So where does Santa Claus live? North Pole? <laughs> Lapland, exactly, that's why we're here tonight. <laughs> well, <clears throat> even though I, I do want to believe that he lives in, in Finnish Lapland, I am not here to argue or prove you that that is the case. Um, I'm more about, uh, I'm going to kind of try and help us understand how this argument that Santa Claus is actually from Finnish Lapland, how it has been developed, how it has be become situated in the very northern part of Finland and how it has become materialized into Santa Claus industry in Finland, which is very, very important. I'm also, I'm not going to tell a story about the history of Santa Claus as such, because th there would be a lot to talk about. We don't have time for that. Uh, but I will more, more so try and understand how, how the Christmas tourism market has been developed and, and constructed in Finland. And another, another point to that is that I'm also, my research is not looking at this phenomena from purely a consumer, a tourist perspective, but I'm trying to understand what's happening behind the scenes, how this remarkable infrastructure of actors has developed and evolved and is working to enable this industry, this business to, to materialize. <coughs> so, the Sunday Telegraph in 1992, uh, this is a quote from an from a article, says that Father Christmas is worth millions of pounds to the country which successfully claims him as his own. And let me tell you, there has been a lot of claims. Uh, Finland, is, Finland is one of them, but, but there has been a lot of debate around the home of Father Christmas. I'll come that, back to that in a few minutes. But if we consider Finland, and, and Lapland in particular. About 30 years ago, uh, no hotel, no restaurant was open through Christmas, the Christmas season. There was nothing going on. The, the city of Romaniemi and, and the whole of Lapland was very quiet, enjoying the Christmas, the Christmas spirit and peace. 
So a lot, of, lot has happened in those 30 years or so. And that is an intriguing transformation story, how, how this business and, and the market has been created around a certain figure, which we all know of, whether we believe or not. Uh, so, so we'll look at that, uh, how, how this has happened, how it has materialized. So I'll show you, I don't know how many of you have visited Lapland. Lovely. So, but there are some of you who might not be fully aware of, of Rovaniemi and the, the, the experience. So I'll show you a short video by uh, Visit Rovaniemi, the capital of Lapland, where they, the official home of Santa Claus is situated. Uh, it gives you an idea of what I'm talking about, what's the, what's the context. Hello, my dear friends. My name is Yolo Pukki, but I'm also known as Santa Claus, Bapo Natale, Sinta Lauren, Père Noël, and so on. Let me tell you about my hometown of Rovaniemi. Rovaniemi is situated on the Arctic Circle in Lapland. It is a home for many wonderful and nice people. There are also quite a few reindeer in Rovaniemi. Rovaniemi is a very beautiful town. In winter it's covered with a white curtain of snow. And at night we can see the magical northern lights. Every year many of my friends from all over the world come visit me. In Rovaniemi they feel the true Christmas spirits and like to share it with their family and friends. My helpers from Rovaniemi Tourist Office keep me connected to the rest of the world. They make sure that everybody knows when something special happens in Rovaniemi. And now they have even made me my own stamp. There is always something fun to do in Rovaniemi. Winter or summer, you can make new animal friends. You will never forget the moment when you see the northern lights with your own eyes. That is real Christmas magic. But what have they got to do with Christmas? There is only one place to find out. My dear friends, it is my great pleasure to invite you to visit Rovaniemi and experience the true magic of Christmas. Rovaniemi, magic of Christmas. Um, of course, Rovaniemi is not the only location where you can go and visit the, the real, real Father Christmas. I'll tell you a bit more about the different destinations in a minute. Um, but that's the setting, that's the scene. Um, so I'll talk you through, I'll give you, give you an account of how, how this has developed. I'll start with uh, introduction to, to talk about stories and myths and why I think it's interesting to study 
I'll give you a bit of background on the context of this research, so Finland and Lapland uh, and how I've done this research, and then the juicy bit, so the story of uh, the business of Santa Claus and how it has been constructed from its birth in a way to today, uh, and finally conclude with some, some lessons learned. All right, so what is this research about? Um, so you know the setting, but this, this is the starting point that really got me intrigued. Um, I've, I've, um, I'm from Lapland myself, from the very northern part, and part of my CV there is uh, three years of work experience as an elf myself. Um, so it was from 2001 to 2003 when I was studying at university um, in, in the middle of Finland and I went back for Christmas seasons to do, to do a bit of work with, with the man himself. And um, so this is, this is a quote from the advertising materials of a travel agency based here in the UK. Uh, it, is, it is a story shared, told and sold um, not only in the UK, but all over the world increasingly, but that's pretty much where it started. Uh, so it says uh, the air is crisp, uh, but there is a warm glow that radiates from inside. The children creak open the door and there he is. His boots are dark and heavy, his jacket the deepest red they've ever seen, his long snow white beard leads their eyes open to his jolly smile which asks, so what would you like for Christmas? And people travel all over, all, all the way to, to the northern parts of Finland, a remote location uh, in Lapland. So this is me with, with Father Christmas um, in, in one of the, the locations. So that's the setting. And I'm really interested, it, I got really intrigued, so how has this happened? Also, looking at it historically, how, how did Santa get situated in, in Finland? So I'll start with myths. Um, so what, what is so specific about myths and stories, and I'm calling them myth-based markets and market creation, instead of looking markets as, as uh, in terms of uh, demand and supply, I look at markets to understand socio-material networks of people, of organizations, institutions, material objects. So understanding what are the elements that make markets work. Um, so on the, on the right hand side, you see, this is what we usually consider in, in business. Managers use spreadsheets, they use figures, they use facts to, to make decisions, to plan and take action uh, in, in their business. But a lot of business is surrounded by these, these different figures. They are surrounded around myths, around stories, um, around expectations about the future, uncertainties, imaginations, really. Um, it's not just about Father Christmas, but it's, we, we have Disneyland, we have Loch Ness in Scotland, um, even high technology markets a few years back, who knew what 5G would look like? I don't know if we still know what it will, will actually be and how it will materialize. But managers are constantly taking action based on uncertainty, based on future expectations, based on their imaginaries. 
So if we consider Santa Claus, which is the focus of my research in this lecture, it has enormous economic significance and social significance around the world and especially in the western part of the world. Um, this time of the year, the festive season, it's the season of shopping, the season where we are expected to, to spend money, to find the perfect gifts, to, to decorate our houses, um, to, to go and experience Christmas and meet himself. I was reading the, the Times uh, newspaper this, the, today when I was on, uh, on the train from Edinburgh to, to London, and on the, on the front page there was a, a quote about finding the perfect Christmas sweater, sweater dress. So it's not just Christmas jumpers anymore, but to be able to have a cozy Christmas, we need to buy the perfect Christmas sweater dresses. Um, so it is about, it's, it's a festive of, of, of shopping and, and Santa Claus and Christmas is used as, as, uh, as advertise, for advertising purposes to boost sales. But it's also about the experience of Christmas, right? So we want to meet the man himself. Um, we, we can see Christmas crotos being built. We can go and meet him in shopping malls, uh, in winter theme parks. Or we can travel a bit of a distance and go and meet him in different locations. Uh, he's a magical man, so he can be in multiple locations at the same time. Um, so so there, there, is a, there is a certain story about how, how the myth of, uh, of the, the extraordinary myth or story of Father Christmas can work as what I call a market infrastructure. So instead of what we usually consider as as a market infrastructure. We have to have roads, we have to have railways to be able to function. But with a myth such as Father Christmas, we expect to see a, a, a jolly man with a white suit and a, uh, sorry, a red suit and a red hat, uh, with snow, uh, with, with cold weather, a reindeer and, and so and so. Uh, so it provides certain kind of a frame how you how you structure and build your markets and your market experiences. So if if what so what is a myth? If we look at Oxford um, English Dictionary, it says that a myth is a traditional story, typically involving supernatural beings or forces, which embodies and provides an explanation, etiology or justification for something such as the early history of society, a religious belief or ritual, or a natural phenomenon. So quite often we relate myths to fairy tales, to children's books, um, universal and known, known uh, stories that we think that are not true. But they do have power and, and a, an important role not only in societies, but in organizational life as well. So a very well-known scholar is scholar uh, Barbara Zarniavska in the field of management and organization studies, says that actually myths and fairy tales, they do have a role. They're reused in popular culture, but this shapes our organizational practices as well. There are recipes, there are rituals, there are ceremonies, legends in organizational settings as well. And, and often, often stories and myths legitimize action. They, they give meaning to certain actions in organizational settings. 
All right, so, so what I've been looking at is this economically extraordinary market um, around Christmas tourism, specifically in, in Finland. And uh, I've been really interested about the performativity of that story, the myth. So how, how certain acts, certain speech acts specifically, they produce reality. So me saying here today to you, ho, 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 Merry Christmas, it doesn't mean much. It's, it's, it's a good gesture. I really do hope that you will have a lovely Christmas. But it will have a very different kind of a meaning when Santa Claus says it in his authentic setting in Lapland, surrounded by reindeer, surrounded by elves and snow, um, and, and so on. So it is, it's, it's performative in a way that also brings many businesses, entrepreneurs, councils, um, marketing advertising agencies, different organizations together to make this market uh, possible. Okay, so a few words about the context of this study and how I've conducted it. So, this is a map of Finland, uh, and in the darker grey bit you can see Lapland. So, I do apologise for the possible inaccuracy in the, in the, in where, where these spots, dots are placed. I did it myself, but I did try to do my best. Um, <clears throat> so, you can see Rovaniemi, it's the, basically the southest. Uh, most southern um, location. So that is the capital of Lapland. Uh, it has the official Santa Claus village, the official Santa Claus airport, um, and the most of the, the most extensive accommodation infrastructure and, ca and capacity. I come from. I'm originally from Enontekiö, which is one of the most northern parts of Finland, which does have an airport, but it's not uh, connected to a railway infrastructure. So, so the airport is closed mostly throughout the year, but it's, it's open uh, around Christmas time. Um, so it was 1996 when the first charter flights from, from Britain to Enantekia took place. And then there's multiple other, other destinations which are more or less different size ski, ski resorts um, in, in Lapland where you can also go, go and and travel and, and enjoy this, this experience. But more or less, tourism, and in particularly the, the Christmas tourism and winter season itself, is economically really <coughs> significant for Lapland. Um, so it was last year during the winter season, which the winter season starts in November until April. So from 2017, November until 2018, April. Um, there were uh, nearly, nearly 2 million overnight stays in Lapland, um, of which about 1.2 were by foreigners. Uh, and around two, 273,000 were from the UK. So it's quite, it's quite a significant market for, for Lapland as well. Um, and overall, throughout the year, uh, overnight stays, 3 million overnight stays throughout the whole 2018. So the winter season from November to April is significant, uh, two-thirds two basically. Um, so that's, that's an interesting, interesting setting in terms of the sustainable development of this, of this business. All right, so, so what have I done so far? A few weeks ago, 
um, I was I was visiting Rabadimi myself, uh, and went and see t went and met, met um, Father Christmas myself in in his in his office. Of course, I've worked for him previously, but it was nice to go and greet him in his in his home. Um, but basically, I've I followed the stories around Father Christmas and how it has become situated in Finland, um, and how they've created this extraordinary market uh, around this figure. So I've done quite a few interviews during the last three, three or four years. Um, I've interviewed uh, businesses, entrepreneurships, from reindeer farmers to husky operators to safari tour operators, travel agencies, hotels, but also kind of regional councils, uh, regional council of Lapland, marketing agencies, um, so, so different stakeholders who are involved in, in the Christmas tourism and tourism in more generally in Lapland. Um, as I mentioned earlier, quickly, I've, I've done quite a bit of archival data collection. It's still ongoing, so I've spent uh, time at the British Library, as well as the, the Regional Museum of Lapland in Rovaniemi, as well as the Library of Lapland in, in Finland, to see how the evolution of the Christmas tourism in, in Finland has, has taken place. And some observation as well. So I've been able to go and, and experience uh, some of so part of these, some of these experiences myself, meeting meeting him, uh, going around and seeing, taking part in different activities, reindeer rides, husky rides, um, and of course working myself um, with with Santa um, quite a few years ago. So I've, I would claim I have quite a good understanding of the of the market and how, how it has been constructed. Okay, so now, now the, uh, the, the actual story. Um, so I'll start with the, with the debate on where is the actual home of Father Christmas. So here you can see um, a few different clips from newspaper articles, mainly from the 90s. Um, asking where is the home of Father Christmas. So these, these are from the British Library newspaper archives. And uh, you can see there, there is a bit of a debate going on um, and saying that it's, it's a really, it really is a million dollar business to the winner. Um, so one of the paper articles says that it's, children are confused and it's understandable that they are confused where to send their letters to Santa. Um, because there are many claims around the home. So um, it's, it's not only Finland by no means. Uh, it's Greenland, it's Alaska, uh, Sweden, Norway, um, even Scotland in the 1970-75. So I'll show you, show you a, few vi a video of that very quickly um, to, to show you what, what it looked like back, back then in, in Scotland. Christmas is all year round in Aviemore, up in the highlands of Scotland. Santa Claus Land has only just been opened, but already it's a hit with the youngsters. <coughs> There's Father Christmas and a sleigh ride right out of the storybooks. But Aviemore's all-season holiday centre features a touch of the Wild West on the side. 
Hotel means just that. Totem poles naturally lead to the most important landmark at this time of the year, the North Pole. And it's cold enough to be real. Amy Moore's Santa Claus Land holds everything a youngster could wish for at Christmas time. The highlight is a visit to a toy factory. A quick wish at the wishing well and then onto that inner sanctum of a child's dream of Christmas. Christmas is an old, old story, one of goodwill, still holding a place in the hearts of children, not only in Aviemore, but all over the world. So, this video was from the British Movie Tone archives. Um, so clearly there's, there's a reason why, why I probably moved to Scotland of all places. Uh, traces, traces of Father Christmas over there as well. But perhaps the, the, the most debated, the biggest debate around um, con contesting Finland's claim as, as the home of Santa Claus has been made uh, by Greenland. So from, from the clips, uh, you can see that, well, everybody knows that Santa Claus comes from Greenland. Walt Disney said so. So the claims that they've accused Finland of making use of the good name of Father Christmas, uh, making it as an advertising and marketing ploy um, from, from the Second World War, basically everybody has always known kids send their letters to North Pole and Greenland is connected to North Pole whereas Finland is not. And uh, Finland has responded to these claims uh, saying for example that well there's a reason why, why Santa can't, can't be in, in Greenland is because there's no reindeers there. Well not commenting on the truthiness of these claims um, but it is true that Finland's claim um, of the origins of, of Santa and, and his residence is are, are quite, quite recent. So if you asked 40, 30 years ago, not many people probably related uh, Father Christmas uh, and Christmas generally to Finland, uh, but it has become quite well known, I would say, uh, today, uh, and especially from the 1980s. So how did it all begin? So how, how was Santa's home uh, and origin situated in, in Lapland, in Finland? Apologise for the very text-heavy slide, but I'll, I'll talk you through it. So in Finland, the story tells that uh, a self-processed good friend of Santa Claus, Markus, who, who was uh, a host of a children's programme in the Finnish radio, 
revealed on air that Santa Claus lives in Korvatunturi, which is translated in English as a near fell, um, located in quite close to the Finnish-Russian border in the north of Finland. A very, very remote location on a hill um, in the middle of nowhere. Um, so this, this story has been shared and reshared in Finland. Um, and for example, one of the most known uh, children's, uh, children's books, author Mauri Kunnas, 1981, explained how, how um, a few laughs uh, stumbled across Santa's home, uh, made of houses, workshops and stables, even had its own airfield. Um, so who on earth would, would build a village in such a place? Well, who else but Santa Claus? So a story has followed up from this, saying that, well, to be able to hide his home, secret hiding place in the Eerfell, in the middle of nowhere, uh, and also to be able to meet visitors from all over the world, he had to move. So he moved to the other side of Lapland, to Rovaniemi. Uh, the capital of Lapland. Um, he had to move his workshop, he had to move his post office closer to the road network to make it easier, but also to make it easier to meet, meet people. Um, another story says, based on the archives, I've been reading a lot of beautiful stories, says that the provincial uh, governor of Lapland liked Santa Claus so much that um, he declared the whole of Lapland as the home of our Christmas. But this story didn't really take off outside Finland, um, internationally. Um, so there was a struggle and the Travel Association of Finland in the 1948 no, um, was saying that, well, because of the, this very short winter season and a very short summer season, accommodation hotels are really struggling to be profitable. Um, people are not finding Finland, because Finland is one of the most expensive countries in the world, which is probably still the case, but plans to uh, grow international tourism in Finland will try out even before they begin. Um, and saying that more, more foreign visitors, they go to Sweden and Norway, as they have a better kind of transport infrastructure than, uh, than we do. Uh, in, the, in the remote Finland. So quite a bit of work has to be done. Um, and um, who knows, maybe it was luck. Uh, it was, it was uh, but a lot of work was done in the following year, in the 1950, uh, in May 1950, when uh, Mrs. Eleanor Roosevelt came to visit Rovaniemi in, in Finland, in Lapland. Um, so after the, the Second World War and Lapland War, uh, much of Lapland and Romaniemi were destroyed, they were burned down. So there was a lot of redevelopment, reconstruction. And uh, Romaniemi and Lapland, they were um, the receivers of aid by UNICEF's former or, um, or predecessor. predecessor. Um, it was called the UNRA. And uh, Eleanor Roosevelt uh, was known for being a civil rights activist, the former First Lady of, of America, she wanted to come and see this redevelopment work going on in Finland, in Lapland. So in 1950, um, she was, he was coming, coming to Lapland and in two weeks 
Arctic Circle cabin was built. It's this cabin in the last two, two pictures. Um, just to, to host this prestigious guest coming all the way to, to Finland, Lapland. Um, so from the airport, she was transported to, to the Arctic Circle cabin, which is situated physically at the Arctic Circle, so you can cross, cross Arctic Circle. Um, and it got a lot of attention and interest around the world. And in, in a few years after that, the cabin had to be extended because a lot of people passing by wanted to come and see it. They wanted to post uh, a letter with the Arctic Circle post stamp. Um, and, um, and so that's, that's where it basically started. <coughs> it became known in the world as well. Um, at around that time, a lot of national and regional level work was done to develop and support the growth in tourism as well. So Lapland uh, was, uh, was training its own travel guides. It was developing its accommodation infrastructure um, as well as developing new hiking routes and, and so on and so on. And the largest, in 1954 it was, the largest publisher in France, um, they published a travel guide of Finland, which was great, great news. And at that time in 56, uh, the, uh, there was a large number of visas granted here in the UK uh, to, to travel in Finland. So a lot of interest was, was rising towards, towards Lapland. But the day that really marked the, the, the birth of Christmas tourism in particular was Christmas Day 1984. So what happened then? I'm sure most of you know it. So uh, British Airways Concorde flight landed in Romaniemi in Lapland. Um, so a decade before that, in 72, uh, a, sales representative, a British sales representative of Finnair, uh, the main airline of Finland, he came to visit Lapland and he was very, very impressed. He came back and he, he thought, that, okay, we need to make this, we need to make world know about Lapland. Um, so he started to work with the British media to make it known. Around the same time, another travel agency based in the UK came, he flew his conference delegates. They were based in Helsinki, but he flew them over to Lapland, to Romanimi for one day. They got a gift from Santa Claus and they were very impressed. So he started to think, hmm, there are opportunities here. But it wasn't until 84 when Goodwood Travel Agency, uh, again, based here in the UK, um, <coughs> got this marvellous idea that let's fly a Concorde plane to, to Lapland. So in just less than two hours from London to Romaniemi, they, they flew uh, for the day with, with about 100 uh, visitors on, on board uh, to meet Father Christmas, to, to ride with snowmobiles, to, to see reindeer, uh, have Christmas dinner with 50 different dishes. Um, so, and it was quite, quite a success, despite the weather. So this is again from the archives, a few pictures, but can you see any snow? <laughs> it wasn't very successful in terms of the weather. So it was, it was raining, but luckily people didn't really know what to expect going to, to Rovaniemi, Lapland. So, so despite of that, it was, it was a big success. Um, so that really marked, marked the, the, the day, uh, the birth of, of Christmas tourism. Um, in the following year, 1985, 
they did it again. Uh, so, but they did it also at, during midsummer in June, uh, the nightless nights with, with uh, daylights, 24 hours a day, as well as in, in the Christmas, in Christmas time. Um, and uh, some people claimed that because of the first Concord flight in 84, it, it sparked so much attention around the media as well as the locals. There were 10,000 of local people coming to the airport to see the actual plane. Um, and it was quite a bit of news. Uh, it, it caused tens of kilometers of traffic queues, which is quite big in the scale of, of Rovaniemi. Um, so they were claiming that, okay, we kind of got this for free. It wasn't because of the travel industry in Finland, but we need to make, uh, to take advantage of this and develop it further, because otherwise next year they're gonna fly to, to Sweden or somewhere else. Um, so, but they did fly, fly back the following year and the year after that, and it has expanded ever since. So, as I said earlier on, 96, uh, Enontekiö, my hometown, they hosted their first charter flights. Um, in, in 85, uh, in addition to the Concorde flight, uh, Finnair, the Finnish airline, flew uh, delegates from Tokyo, Japan, uh, from uh, media representatives and travel agencies on board to come and see what that plan is like. Um, and ever since, it, it really has, has grown quite, quite extensively. So what about today? Um, so if we look at the, look at the business, how it has become. So as I said, I, I went to Rovaniemi a few weeks ago, and uh, this is just a, a few of the brochures that I picked up. So, but you can see the elements that, that um, are represented in these brochures. So, of course, it's very much about Father Christmas. It is about the nature, the Arctic lights, the snow, uh, the Arctic, the Ar not only the nature, the climate, um, and, the, and the people. If you, if you look at the infrastructure that they've created, so if you go on the website of Visit Finland, um, you can see some statistics on the front page saying that there are um, 190,000 fells, uh, there are, sorry, reindeers, there are fells, and there is one Santa Claus. So this magical, mythical uh, place represents a reality um, of, of the whole Father, Father Christmas. Um, there's Santa Claus main post office, there's Santa Claus official airport, and so on and so on. So it's, it's been quite a remarkable story of collective branding and storytelling. Um, and of course, um, so the branding has, has happened, uh, as I said, collectively. So in 2010, uh, a trademark was registered, Rovaniemi being the official hometown of Santa Claus. Uh, and it is known in, in China, in Japan, South Korea, uh, Russia, United um, States, and the EU. And uh, the brand uh, states that it, it is about increasing attractiveness, not only to, to tourists, to, to the external audiences, but also to locals, to people living in the town, generate more employment, more income, promote local uh, export companies, and increase investment in the region. It is still very, very remote. 
uh, but it is, it is growing uh, all the time. The core values of the, the Christmas brand of, of Romaniemi is authenticity. So being original, being natural, uh, having the Santa Claus village open throughout the year, uh, giving and caring, so being hosp hospitality, caring for others. You can go and see Santa free of charge. Um, being surprising and creative. Um, so, so thinking outside the box, uh, thinking differently, acting differently and constant presence. So saying that Christmas is a state of mind that is present in, in Lapland each day of the year. They also have some, they outline principles of collaboration for their tourism network partners. So first of all, you have to believe in Santa Claus, otherwise you're not part of the, the network. Um, there's responsibilities, there's the, the network partners have to continuously monitor the quality uh, and, and so on. But of course, the most important person, PR person in a way, is Santa Claus himself. So going back to the archives and seeing how, how the, the figure of Santa Claus was, was built in Finland, um, I've looked at um, materials from an advertising agency that was hired to, to really think through the appearance of Santa. Uh, and it outlined that Santa Claus had to be uh, friendly, personal and jolly. The outfit had to be according to the culture of Lapland. So in the video um, early on, you saw it's, it, he's not wearing just a pure red suit or black boots, but the boots are, are Lapis style. Uh, the trousers are green, I think it was. So it, it's a bit more relaxed, I would say, of course, because he's sitting there welcoming visitors throughout the year. And then on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, he puts on his um, best, best outfit. Uh, Mrs. Claus had to be uh, warm and gentle, not queenly. Sorry, I'm translating this from Finnish, so no, not sure if that's <coughs> really the correct word. Um, and the elves had to be joyful, positive, fairy tale like That's why I got hired. Um, also, it outlines like what, what Santa's age, according to a story, his reindeer driving license says that pretty old, um, about his education, about his parents, and so on and so on. Um, and as I've mentioned many times, um, he does welcome visitors each day of the year, so, so you can go and visit him. All right, so some conclusions. Um, why, why I think this is fascinating, not just because of the phenomena of Santa. I'm saying that the myth itself doesn't cause a world to exist. So we can't just come up with a story and, and there it is, let's, let's make a market. Um, but instead, there has to be certain conditions and elements in place for this to work. Um, so Finland, and Lapland, they've been successful in it in terms of the, the remoteness, the authenticity, the, the snowy, cold terrains. Um, so you have to have those certain conditions in place. Of course, last year, uh, due to some exceptionally warm conditions, I think the end of November, people were still waiting for the snow to arrive. Um, but this is not the case this year. Luckily, I, just, I was just speaking with my mum um, apparently it was minus 27 degrees yesterday and today minus 2 degrees but snowing beautifully. So there will be snow. And despite the weather conditions, Christmas won't be cancelled so it will be there. But it does help. 
Um, this picture here is, is from the Santa Claus village in, in Rovaniemi. I took it while I was visiting. And the line you can see, that's the Arctic Circle line, so you can cross uh, on both sides. Um, so, and it takes, it takes more than one actor, it takes more than one Santa Claus to realise and materialise this industry, this business. So, as I said in the beginning, I haven't really looked at the consumer side, but I've been interested in how the different stakeholders coordinate together and make this happen. So, what are the negotiations, the imaginations, um, the, the contestations, the misfires when the snow doesn't arrive, what do we do, how do we kind of reframe the, the, the story. Um, so it is, it is about networked market creation. Just as an example of such a network, this is from, from my previous publication when I was looking at Enontekio specifically, so this is a very small scale network of actors in Romania, it's much bigger. Um, but it's not just the travel agency which has uh, a commercial relationship with the tourists. They often charge for the travel package. But behind that, there's a lot going on. So usually at this destination of Finland, it's the safari tour operator and their own network of subcontractors that make this possible. So there are the smaller scale entrepreneurships I was talking uh, to a reindeer farmer who's been operating from 1984, from the very first Concorde flight until today, and grown, but they started very small as, as kind of a business uh, in addition to their day-to-day -day job. Um, so these different actors, they come together and, and coordinate it together. It's a beautiful choreography that takes place for people to come and and meet Father Christmas and have all these other activities and experiences around it. And another key aspect that I find very, very interesting around this is about the stories and the storytelling. So as I've been reading in the archives, I've, I've found multiple stories from advertising agencies to, to the media. Um, some stories are anonymous, so unfortunately I'm not able to, to track who's actually written them. But the way that these stories combine facts and fiction, how they are beautifully crafted, explaining why Father Christmas moved from the EFL to Rovaniemi, um, and why is it, why does he live in Finland of all places? Um, so I'm, I'm saying that it is, it's, a, it's an interaction between the facts and fiction. Um, and actually, in the end, it, it, the myth doesn't, it becomes, it becomes a reality in a way um, and transforms, often case, into economic, economic values. Um, and if everything is in place, it becomes a beautiful, beautiful Christmas experience. And um, of course, this has to be sustainable. So any, any business, and any, especially any tourist attraction, there's, there's a limit how much you can you, how much you can grow, and especially in a place like Lapland, where it's very much based on the authenticity, the remoteness. It's quiet. It's peaceful. It's the cleanest air in the world. How much you can grow that? Um, so, so my interviews. One of my interviews said that well, we have Christmas every day of the year, meaning that actually. The, the spirit of Christmas, that's what I call Santa Clausation in a, in a way, um, it's, it's there and that guides their, their operations.
but there's lots of space and opportunities outside the Christmas season as well. Um, so that's, that's what they are actually working on at the moment, how to grow and, and extend the, the Christmas season beyond other times of the year as well. And as you saw from the video from Scotland, you can go and see Father Christmas even, even if there's no snow. So everything is possible. This is just a short summary. Um, I'm conscious that we're running out of time. I want to leave some time for questions. Uh, but, but these are my, my marketing lessons as a lecturer of marketing um, that's, that I've taken away so far from, from my study. So, so first of all, this is the most networked market that I've seen um, in, in, during, my, during my career in, in terms of research. It's been from the building of the infrastructure itself, allow how, how we transport, accommodate um, and host these visitors from all over the world into actually enabling this experience of meeting Father Christmas. So different actors come together, they negotiate and, and the myth kind of legitimizes and lets them calculate what is valuable, what is doable, what do we need to change um, from the myth, from the story. So not all reindeer can fly, uh, but there are certain reindeer who can't do that. So how do we accommodate those kinds of, kinds of changes when there's not enough snow, when the lake doesn't freeze? Uh, those kinds of situations, we have to reassemble, reframe the story um, and sustainable growth, as I mentioned uh, earlier on. So how do we make it and keep it sustainable for the locals as well as for the tourists? And finally, being jolly and be good. Christmas all around. <laughs> all right. So I think I'll, I'll finish off here. Thank you very much for listening.